How are you guys doing today? You guys look good. Yeah? Let me see those smiles. There you go. That's it. Man, it's a, it's a great day. I'm happy to be speaking with you today along with my wife. Um, I'm just so pumped. But let's, before we get started, why don't we just pray for the, the word and, and we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for your word that it is true. We thank you that you are here this morning, that you want to speak to us, you want to minister to us, that you have a gift for us this morning. And Lord, just as a sign, we put our hands out to receive, Lord, whatever you have for us, Lord, we receive it this morning. You're a giving Father. Lord, I refuse to, to not open up my hands to receive this gift that you have for me today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Believe it or not, I feel more comfortable singing this message than speaking it. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm not going to do that. That'd be kind of awkward. But anyway, it's been a great month so far. We are starting with a new series in February called The Best View in the Whole World. And, uh, you know, how good did Tommy do last week? It was so good. He basically shared with us um, the fact that we need to have a new vision, God's vision for who God is, who we are, for our city, and for our family, that God has a different kind of vision than we do. You know, um, you know, we have our own thoughts, we have our own ideas, but it says in Scripture that God thoughts, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, and we need to get that perspective this month, and that is the focus. And, you know, last week, Tommy really focused on something that was really important. He said that, you know, God's view is so much better than ours, but not only that, if you want to understand what God's view is and what his heart is, just look to the life of Jesus. It's the perfect picture of who God is. But today, we're going to talk about what does God think of you? Point to yourself. What does God think of me? Say that. What does God think of me? What does God think of me? You know, and um, the last 18 months, I've, I feel like God has gifted me the opportunity to understand this in a new way. Um, and I just wanted to show a little picture of the reason why. Uh, I became a dad 18, well, no, 16 months ago. Let me show that picture. Oh, me. Oh, my God. Look at that kid. That is the cutest kid in the whole world. I'm sorry, but that is the cutest kid in the whole world. That is my son, Nolan Mackay. Uh, we named him Nolan because it means champion. He is our champion of God. And this kid, I'm telling you, he's going to do some incredible things for God. He's going to lead many, many people to Jesus. I believe it. Uh, but this kid is, I mean, I've really understood God's heart for me in a new way now that I've become a dad. Um, but uh, at the same time, you want to show the next picture, Chris? You know, as a parent, it's kind of crazy, too, at the same time, right? Being a dad is pretty crazy. Look at this. This is a normal, normal life, right, parents? Can you relate? This is totally every day. This happens every day. If you want to show the next picture, look at that. Look at that guilty face right there. <laughs> I noticed that last minute. I was like, oh, I got to show that face. He's like, that's not just me. It's my friend Nathaniel. That's Nathaniel right there standing next to him. Um, but as, as crazy as Nolan can be sometimes, as hectic as it can be, my heart just aches with love for this boy. I just can't, like, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter how wild and how little sleep I get, how much, how little energy I have sometimes. 
this boy just captures my heart. I love him so much, and I'll never, ever, ever stop loving him. Um, and, and it made me realize this is the same way God sees us. God, it says in Scripture that God is love, and he sees us through the same lens of love, you and I. That's the same way he sees us, you know? You know, a lot of times we see ourselves and we're like, oh, man, I did something wrong or I'm not a good person or blah, blah, blah. But God has this vision of you that we don't always have of ourselves. And I want to prove it to you. I want to read a couple verses to you and, and show you what I mean. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I adored I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. What is he saying right here? He says, I know who you are more than you know who you are. I love you. I knew you before you were even born. I care about your life. I'm with you forever. Look look at this next verse in Romans 5, verse 8. It says this, but God showed his, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God is saying here, you were so worth giving everything up for. I was willing to send the greatest sacrifice to get you back, to win you back, because I wanted to be with you. That's what I think about you. I want you to be a part of me. This next one, this one, I love this one so much. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Say this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on the hilltop that cannot be hidden. He's saying, I am so proud of you. I believe in you so much. I want to put you on display before the world. You know why? Because I want people to see the glory of God through your life because I believe in you. And then the next verse, it says, you are the salt of the earth. And what he's saying is, with your relationship with me, everywhere you go, you're going to make it better. That's how much I believe in you. That's how much I want to pour out my life on you. The next verse um, I want to share, John 3 Verse 1, I know I'm sharing a bunch, but they're so good. Um, It says, see how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. You are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. Have you ever thought to think that I'm a son, I'm a daughter? Think about what that means. I love and care about you so much, I was willing to send Jesus to die because I wanted you to be a part of my family again. I want you to be a part of my family. And now that we're family, we're never going to be separated. And the last one, it says this, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You have no idea how amazing your future is going to look like with me. That's what he's saying right here. You have no idea. You can't even comprehend the life I have for you now that you're with me. Now, some of these things, or all these things I just read to you, pretty much mind-blowing if you think about it. You know, these are verses we've heard so many times. But if you really stop to think about them, they are mind-blowing verses of God of the universe who created everything, how he thinks of us, how precious he thinks of us, right? And if that doesn't convince you how much God loves you and that he doesn't have a perspective of love over your life, think about this. There are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. 
And nobody makes that many promises to someone they mildly tolerate, right? They make promise. He made that many promises to us because he loves us so much that he wants to pour out these promises on our lives. Amen? That's what God thinks of us. He loves us. He sees us with that perspective. And, um, and but, you know, we come here every, every Sunday. We go to cell group. And a lot of times there's a little bit of a disconnect. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a disconnect between what God says in this word, in his word, and what we understand, what we believe about ourselves, right? Like we, we hear it a lot. We've heard all these verses, right? But a lot of times they haven't really connected with us here. And I was actually praying. I was asking God, like, what is the reason why there's a disconnect between what you say about me and what I believe about myself? And he spoke to me two things. He said, the first thing is that we idolize our past experiences. And the second thing is we don't have enough experiences with God. You know, and, um, and the, I want to be the first to say, you know, all of us have gone through some incredibly difficult things. Some of you have gone through things I cannot even comprehend that I'll never go through. Like, I don't even understand how difficult that situation that you might have been through is, has been or is, is going right now. But, um, and it's crazy. It's hard. It's painful. And that's why we're here. We're here to receive the healing, the freedom that God promises, right, in the Bible, that Jesus sets us free. But sometimes, you know, like, we, we are a little hesitant to enter in to that freedom and that, that, that uh, construction that God is working in us because we're more comfortable with the familiar pain and dysfunction than we are with the unfamiliar breakthrough God is promising. You know, we're so used to it that we hold on to it. You know, it's like, I don't know how to live without it, you know? Um, and God is calling us to let him work in our lives. You know, Mercy Church, how many of you guys know we do a lot of things in our, for our community, right? We got uh, the middle school service. Come on, where's the middle school team at? Oh, they're back there, actually. <laughs> so there's no shout. Well, let's just give them a shout, right? There's, we do stuff on the high schools, at PV, at Rigetti, at so many of the high schools in, on the Central Coast. We do so many things. We're on the move. God is working through us. But as diligent as we are, allowing God to work through us, we need to be diligent in allowing God to work in us, right? God has set us free. That is a fact. Jesus has completely set us free from sin, that we are a new creation. But we're also under construction until we stand before Jesus on that day, amen? We're still under construction. There's still work to do. And that is why we need to be diligent in allowing God to work in us, Church, this area right here, this carpet right here should be worn out because we're coming up, kneeling before Jesus, asking God, I need you to work in my life. I need ministry. I need healing. You know, it doesn't stop. Some of the things we've gone through, it takes time, right? It doesn't happen always overnight. And, um, you know, I, I've, in the last three years, I've cleaned out my garage four times. <laughs> How many of you guys homeowners can relate, Right. And I feel like every time I do, I'm like, man, where did all this stuff come from? I feel like every time I clean my garage, there's more and more things I got to throw out. And it's still full. I don't know. What, I, I promise you I'm not a hoarder. I promise. Um, but in the same way, you know, we need to 
bring our stuff to God. There's stuff in our lives we don't even realize is there, but we need to allow God to come and heal it. You know, there's a story even in the Bible of a man, uh, his, the story of the Bible is called uh, Blind Bartimaeus. is a blind beggar, and he heard that Jesus was walking by, and he calls out, Son of David, Son of David, you know? And Jesus calls him over, and it says that he throws off his cloak, his old cloak, before running over to Jesus. That's the same thing we need to do today. We need to be diligent to break up, to divorce our past, and step into our future because Jesus has so much more. Don't be comfortable. Don't settle with the little. Settle or or grab a hold of what God has for you. And the second thing is, we need to have more experiences with God, right? It's not, you know, we have uh, amazing things that we do at our church, like Encounter Weekend, where the whole point of it is that we come to meet with God face to face. And, uh, but it shouldn't stop there, right? The life class that we teach, there's a class that we teach called Life Class. The whole point of it is that you learn to have a daily relationship with him that you can come before him and encounter him every day, like a personal conversation. Um, And the most valuable thing you can do is turn your attention to God, to seek his face. And that's actually my word this year. Um, I was asking God, you know, what do you you want this year to be about? And he says, this is a year to come back to me to seek my face again. And he showed me this verse in um, Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. If you want to turn there should be on the screen. It says this, look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. It's such a beautiful verse. And it's a verse that we share often to unbelievers that they need to hear that God is at their door and they just need to open the door. But what God showed me when I was praying was that God is knocking at our door every single day. He wants you to open that door every day. He wants to share a meal with you. And as friends, he wants to have a conversation. He wants to know you. Um, and there's no better example in the Bible, I believe, than, than David. Like, have you guys all read the Psalms? They're pretty deep. He says some really deep things. And he also was the one that actually, you guys know the story of David and Goliath, right? He was this scrawny little guy, and he's standing before this nine-foot-plus giant that is threatening to kill him, and he's standing there, and he says this, and it blows my mind. I don't understand how he could say this confidently, but he says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I'll kill you and cut off your head, and then I'll give your dead bodies to the men, uh, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he'll give you to us. Nobody says that in a situation like the situation he was in. He was not intimidated. He was confident, even though he was so much smaller and everything, all the odds were against him. He says this confidently. Why? 
because he had cultivated a relationship with God alone. He understood who he was in God, and he understood who was backing him. And he said this with faith, right? And that is what we need to do. We need to break up with with our past. We need to not idolize our past. We need to run from it, and we need to seek God's face again. Can we do that, church? Amen. And I want to, we're going to continue, but I'm going to pass it on to my lovely wife. Let's give it up for Oriana. Wow. I love what God has been doing in, in our family. You know, when you think about, um, talking about this topic, it's, it's funny how God chooses you to, to share things that you've gone through personally, right? Um, you know, Sean and I have really connected through that, um, through God, yes, but also through our brokenness. You know, we have seen how God has really been so faithful over and over in forgiving and in showing us who we are in him. You know, it's, that's the hardest thing, I feel like, as a person for me, walking with the Lord is to just uh, accepting that, you know, God thinks better of me than I ever think of myself. And that's just really the the truth, you know. It's the truth for me and I know for many that are here. And, and I love that my husband was sharing about idolizing our past, you know. Because sometimes, and Pastor Terry always says that about sharing your testimony. You would like focus so much on like what, you know, the worst that happened in your life and how bad it was. And, and that's... That's good because you can show the contrast, but it's not really who you are anymore, you know. And then we should focus more on what Jesus has done and what he's offered us and who he is. Because then sometimes we run out of time and it's like, I didn't get to say what Jesus did for me. I just said everything bad that I have gone through. You know that it's important to share, but it's not who you are. And, you know, there's something that God spoke to me this week about um, about us, about who we are and why, why we struggle. I feel like when we were preparing for this message, God was mostly talking to us about why do we struggle in believing as a church, as a person, as a child of God, who we are, who we really are. And, and you know, when you look at from the beginning of times, the first thing that happened at the, at the Garden of Eden is that Eve doubted God. You know, she thought he was lying. And you and I, how many times have we not said it out loud? Because you would never say that, right? You would never say, God, you're lying. But you would, you would think and act as if God was lying. You know, have you ever thought about that? It says in the book of Numbers, um, 20, verse, uh, chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. And I feel this is like this, the first thing that we need to come in agreement with. God does not lie. You know, when people are nice to you, then you feel like it's just because you're nice. You know, and they say, you're, you look so pretty. Oh, it's because you're nice. You know, if you don't feel too pretty that day, you're like, it's just because she's so nice. She always says that. But when God says something to you about you, he means that about you. He wouldn't just say it because he wants to be nice to you. You know, if God didn't want to be nice, he wouldn't be nice. He doesn't have to be nice, actually. He doesn't have to be kind. But he does it because he means that about you. And Eve doubted God. She said, well, maybe he's lying. Maybe I will not die. Right? Isn't that what happened at the garden? 
You know, and you and I since then have struggled. Humanity has struggled with thinking that God is a liar. And we don't say it out loud. I promise I would never say that out loud. I would, say, I would never say that out of context just here today. But really, that's who we think, you know. Because when we think about God lying, um, that means that I can be fully convinced of what he says about me. You know, I'm not saying to his face, God, you are a liar. But I'm acting as if what he said is not really that truthful, you know. And we're going to focus on that for a moment. There's more to that verse that I want to share with you. But, you know, the, one of the things that God says about you is that you are his masterpiece. That should get you out of your chair. Seriously. You are God's masterpiece. And I think about that, you know, I've never been more aware of this um, than when I've been pregnant. It's like, seriously, like today I made two feet. I made new nails for a person. Out of, out of context, the context, that would be kind of weird to say. But my body has the ability to create a life. That's amazing. So now you tell me I am a masterpiece? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Women, like you feel, do you feel like that? You have the ability to partner with God and say, I can create a life, a human being. That's insane. And, you know, when you haven't had children, it sounds like that's cool. But when you have, <laughs> seriously, it's like, but when you have them inside of you and you feel them moving, it's like, there's a real person inside of me. That's insane. There's a person inside of a person. Think about it. That's kind of like, it's, it is pretty weird. But at the same time, it's like, wow, I'm God's masterpiece. You know, maybe you've never, you've never been pregnant. If you're a guy, you never will be. But it's good to throw that out there. But, it, <laughs> but uh, there's one thing about this that's really important to know is that have you ever been sick? Your body goes through these things that it's amazing. You know, we grew up in a family that if you're sick, you take Tylenol, you get, get better. And if you're not getting better, take double doses of Tylenol. It's going to make you better. But then I, got, I came to know Sean's family. They're chiropractors. They don't believe in Tylenol. They don't have Tylenol in their house. And seriously, Sean had never had a Tylenol until he met me. He's had it now. He's good. <laughs> he, has a, he has a headache. He's like, I need a Tylenol. <laughs> and my, my mother-in-law, she's like, he's never said that before. I'm like, I'm sorry. But they have a point. Seriously, they believe in something that is true, that your body is so amazingly created by God that you can heal yourself, right? You know, when there's a fever, we freak out, but it's a sign that your body is doing what it should. The doctors should have told you that. Even if they believe in Tylenol, they know. A fever is good for you. It means that your body is fighting off whatever is attacking that anything in there, right? You know, your body was so perfectly created that you are the proof that you are a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Can you say that about you? Can you walk out of here walking different today because you are a masterpiece? You know, the, the truth is that that is what God says about you. It's actually in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
You know, have you ever received a compliment at work? Somebody says, well, let me introduce you to Giovanni. He's really good. This is our best employee here. You feel like, wow, that's me. But that's not me. But that's, if, if, God say, if your boss says something about you, you are promoted at work. He says, well, you know, you, I think you deserve the promotion. You should not be in that position anymore. You got, you're going to the next level. You feel like, wow. You go home thinking, if you have a wife, your family, you tell them, guess what happened to me at work today? They said, I was so good, they promoted me. You know, so you're saying your boss is so right about you, who you are, that you are good at work. But when God says, I think you are a masterpiece, you think, thank you, God, you're so nice. But the truth is that that should shake your life in a way that you live different. You sh we should live like a masterpiece does. You know, have you seen a masterpiece as in a uh, wall art? You know, it's like stays there, it doesn't move. That's its purpose. That's not your purpose. But you have a purpose, right? You have a purpose to live out. And I feel like God wants to tell us today, remind us, I do not lie. I've never lied about you. God has never lied about you. You know, and what I was reading online, what does qualify as a masterpiece? And one of the things that it says, the work is so original, so unique, that it overwhelms us by its power. You know, I, one of the things that I am most amazed about hum, like humans is the fact that we all have a different fingerprint. I mean, I would by now run out of ideas of how to make those lines if I was God. <laughs> Seriously, you, no one, no one in the world has the same fingerprints as you are, as you have. That is really amazing. That says something, that says that you're so original, so unique, and yet here you are complaining or comparing yourself to somebody else that you're not like. It's a good thing that you're not like someone else. It's a good thing because God created you as a masterpiece. Every time you, you think about, oh, I don't, I don't look like that, I don't act like that, I don't speak like that, you're telling yourself, I'm not a masterpiece. And God is not a liar. He never, he would never lie to you. And I feel like as the church, we need to stop with that attitude. We need to fight that every day of our lives. God, you know, you know, I feel like we have to start our day saying, God, first of all, you're not a liar. I acknowledge that you're not a liar every day. Because you need, until you convince yourself, everything that God says is true. Even that I am a masterpiece. You know, even though that sounds like, you don't tell people that. You're such a masterpiece. <laughs> but that should be a compliment that you tell yourself. You know, because that's how God views you as his own original creation. You know, the second thing that it says is <clears throat> on that same verse in Numbers 23, 19, it says, he's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. And when I read this, God was speaking to me about you and I, have those who have been walking with God for a, for a bit, you know, you think, you know, I, when you come to know God, you're so excited. Everything changes so, so fast and so easily and you're like ready to give up on things. But after a while, it's hard to keep, keep uh, transforming as easily because there's things that are rooted, right? Like Sean was saying about the garage. I am the one who brings those things into the garage. They get there for a reason. <laughs> Um, 
But yeah, so the point of that is that, you know, no matter what you have done in the in-between, God has not changed your mind about you. He will never change your mind, his mind about you. And we need to know that. You know, there was a long time. There was a period of my life I had met the Lord in 2010. And there was a time where I walked away from God. And it was really hard to come back to God because I felt like I was just trying, but I couldn't get myself back to where I was before I walked from God. You know, in my heart, in my thinking about me, about others, about the church, everything. It just felt like I could never get there. And I remember um, what the pastor said was so basic when I repented and I told um, I told him about everything that I had gone through and done and so on. And he said, there's always a way back to God. And, and I remember coming back to God. And that phrase alone, that phrase alone opened up the door for me to come back, you know. And that was all I needed to hear. It was so basic. If somebody tells me that today, I think, wow, that, how come I didn't think of that? But God's word broke through the, my brokenness, you know, and helped me come back. And I feel like sometimes we think that he has changed his mind about us. If you make a mistake, you know, and you're trying to come back to God and you're trying to do good again, right? I want to be good again. I want to act different again. I want to act like a masterpiece again. The truth is that he's never changed his mind. You know, he didn't before. He didn't think any different before you than he does today. And when, we, when you know that, that should be enough motivation to walk alone hand with the Father, right? It should be enough motivation to come close to God and, and really have a relationship with him who is inviting us to that every single day. And our hearts really long for God's acceptance. You know, there's nothing more relieving than God's acceptance in your life. And Jesus really painted a picture of this. Uh, in Mat Matthew 3, um, 17, there's something so amazing about Jesus is that everything that he did, he did for two reasons. One, you know, to free us and all of that, but also to paint a picture of a relationship with the Father, what it would be like. You know, and, and I love this scripture because it really reminds me who I am and who Jesus made me through, through um, his sacrifice. It says that, you know, he was being baptized at that moment, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was about to start his ministry. And it says that a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And God the Father who could have said anything. He could have said, listen to this guy. This is me in him. He could have said anything. But instead he chose these words. He chose to say, this is my son whom I love and whom, um, and, and I am pleased with him. You know, and because of Jesus, God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. You are a child of God and he sees you with love. And those are the three things that we're going to pray together right now as we close. You know, as we have a time of really acknowledging or recognizing before God, what is it, God, that the way you see me and the way I act don't match? Why, what is the disconnect there? You know, I want to have more experiences with you, 
But also I want to know that I am who you say that I am, that I am that masterpiece, right? That you haven't changed your mind about me. I feel like we need to know that God has not changed his mind about me, no matter what I do. It's not freedom to do whatever you do. It's actually freedom to be in the presence of God, right? So why don't we stand together? We're going to take some time to pray through these three things that us as a church, you know, you know, we struggle from beginning, hopefully not to end, but for sure it's something that we need to remember every single day. How does God view you? He views you in the lens of love, through the lens of love, through the lens of Jesus. So that means that he, you are his child, you are his daughter, you are his son. And lastly, he is pleased with you. He said that to Jesus before he even started doing stuff right and he says that to you before you even do amazing things for God because he doesn't he's not more pleased with you when you do more obviously that feeling makes you want to do more because when there's more grace you know you feel like you want to just give back give back to God but let's just pray together you know I'm going to invite Sean back here with me and as we pray you know what is it that you struggle with uh, out of these three, out of these three things that God sees in you? What is it the hardest one to, to remember every day, to act on every day? Is it that you are his son or his daughter? Is it that you, God is pleased with you? He is pleased with me. Do you have a hard time saying that? Maybe you grew up in a home where it feels like the more you do, then you receive. You know, if you don't do, then you don't receive love or anything in return. God is not like that. He loves you so deeply. You know, is the word love something that rings any bells in your heart? Or is it something that, oh yeah love yeah I know but does it get you out of your chair that you are a masterpiece does it make you think about the things that you do every day acting as a masterpiece you know right there where you are why don't we close our eyes we're gonna pray together and I, I want to pray for you especially if you are if you're really willing to Go on this year with a new mindset about you that is the real way that God sees you. You know, these things are not a long process. This is really the only thing that requires is faith. It's faith. The opposite of, of doubt is faith and knowing that this is true, that you are a son, that you are a daughter, that you're loved by God and that he is pleased with you. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person that's here. Thank you that you are moving our hearts, God. I can feel that, that your presence is here to help us really see ourselves, God, and know the way you see us. Forgive us for thinking, Lord, for thinking different about ourselves. For thinking, God, that you are, you just say it because you're nice. 
and not because you mean it, Lord. That you never lie. You, you would never lie to me. You would never say something to me that's not true. You would never. You don't know. You can't do that. It's not in your nature to lie, God. You are truth. You are the truth, God. Lord, help me realize today. Give me the faith to know that I am your son. That I am your daughter, Lord. That I am loved by you. That you haven't changed your mind about me. You haven't changed your mind despite, in spite of all the things that I've gone through, that I've done. You haven't changed your mind. You, you have a right to change your mind. And you haven't because you're not human. You're not human, Lord. I need to know that this morning. I feel like there's people here that need to know that this morning. That you, God has not changed his mind about you. And it's all good that you hear it from us, but we need to hear it from God too. And I just feel like this phrase, come to the Father. Um, I feel like we need to respond. I feel like some of us as an act of faith, we need to come before the Father. We need to kneel before the Father, stand, whatever you need to do. I want to invite you to come up here this morning to just hear it from Him, what He thinks of you. There's so much space up here. Come on up. This is your moment to have faith that maybe God does say something different than what I believe. To receive what he says. Maybe you're struggling. Some of you might be struggling with that belief, you know. But do business right now. You know, maybe start with just saying, God, I repent for believing Believing differently than what you say about me. Your word is so clear. Everything you said is so clear that you absolutely love me, that you believe in me, that you care for my life. You see me as a son, that we are family, God. Right now, we thank you, Jesus. There's some of you out there I think that is are fighting to and are afraid to let go of the old identity. I, I, I call on you to come to the Father too, to lay it down. That's not who you are anymore. God does not see you that way. It is only pride to hold on to that view of yourself now. Come to the Father. Come forward. Receive his grace this morning. He cares about you. And why don't we just put our hands on our head right now. God, that you would change our mind. You would change our mind. You would help us to see from your perspective today. Lord God, that we are sons, that we are daughters, that you have loved us from the start, that you never change your mind about me, God, that your grace is sufficient for me to step out of the light of the past, Lord, to step into the future, to step into what you say and call me to be, God. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are forming me and shaping me, that you're forming me to become the man, the woman that I'm meant to be, Lord Jesus. And I receive what you say, Lord. I make a commitment this morning. Let's make that commitment. I make a commitment this morning to allow you to work in my life, to form me, to shape me, before that day where I stand before you, Lord God. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be more like your son, God. I want to be an example just like you are, God. And Lord, I repent, Lord Jesus, for for holding on to wrong ideas about myself, Lord, that are not true, that are not from God. Lord, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy my identity, but I shed that this morning like blind blind Bartimaeus. I choose to believe what you say about me today, Lord, that you care about me, that you love me, Jesus, that you see me as your own, that you're forming me.